Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Anyways, all right, uh, 1 Kings 13. I'm going to stick with my initial plan, what God told me to share on. He told me to share a message called Donkey Prophet. So if you're taking notes, the title of this message is Donkey Prophet. And I'm going to preach on an unusual chapter from the Bible and, and a couple other places in the Bible as well. But go to 1 Kings 13. You'll probably never hear a message called Donkey Prophet ever again, so get ready. And you'll probably never hear a message from 1 Kings 13 again, but this is really good stuff. I'm excited about it. I've kind of been preaching this message to various people that I run to, run into here at church and stuff, so I'm, I'm excited. I preached it to my wife a little bit. 1 Kings 13. So just a little background into 1 Kings 13. This is right after... Um, Israel split into two nations. So Solomon um, turned over the kingdom to his son, Rehoboam, who wasn't that wise. And uh, shortly after he became king, the, the, the nation split. Um, ten tribes uh, went to Jeroboam, the king of Israel, and um, Judah stayed with Rehoboam. So Jeroboam was a very wicked king, the king of Israel. The, you know, he caused this split in the nation of Israel. And um, Jerusalem was in Rehoboam's territory. Jerusalem, you know, that was the city of David. That's where uh, Solomon built, built the temples. That was the place where you were to worship God, right? But Jeroboam had a problem, right? People were used to going to Jerusalem to worship God, but he wanted to break away from Jerusalem, break away from the house of David. So what he did is he uh, created his own religion. He made two golden calves. He brought back the golden calves. You think he would have learned his lesson, but he didn't. He brought back the two golden calves and said, the, uh, Israel, these are now your gods. You aren't to go to Jerusalem. You are to worship these two golden calves. They are the ones that you know, brought you out of Egypt. I'm going to set up one here in Bethel and one also in Dan. Um, you can go wherever you want, but you have to go worship one of the golden calves. So 1 Kings 13, it says, Behold, a man of God. Oh, we don't know um, what this person's name was, but a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord, and Jeroboam, so he's that, that wicked king of Israel, stood by the altar to burn incense. So he was there in Bethel, which by the way is a, is a very special place, but he, he turned it into a wicked place, set up this altar to this golden calf there, burning incense. Um, verse 2, it said, the man of God cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord. I love that he's saying, thus says the Lord, all caps. He's, he's using the, the holiest, the most intimate name of the one true God, Yahweh. Lord, all caps, thus says the Lord, behold, a child, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David, and on you he shall sacrifice the priest of the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, this is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall split apart, and the ashes of it shall be poured out. So he, he was sent there by God. He did what he was supposed to do. He prophesied against the altar. Now something kind of interesting happens, verse 4. So it says, So it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God who cried out against the altar in Bethel that he stretched out his hand from the altar saying, Arrest him. So this man of God was prophesying against this altar that he had set up. He wasn't even prophesying against Jeroboam. But he prophesied against Jeroboam's religion. So Jeroboam took it very personally. This is what God showed me about this. When people get offended, 
they reveal what they are religious about. You know, this past weekend, you know, uh, Max Cornell was here, a great pastor from Kansas City. If I were, you know, joking up here, mocking the Kansas City Chiefs, if after service he came and told me, you can't ever talk about the Chiefs that way, I'm so offended, I don't think I can ever preach here again, I will never set foot in this, I, I, I know that he's too religious about the Chiefs, <laughs> right? If you can't take a joke and you get super offended, you're, you're religious about something, <laughs> You're revealing what you're really religious about. And I, I've had to watch myself, too, not to, to slip into offense and to lose my sense of humor. If you, if you lose your ability to laugh, you lose your ability to enjoy life, you lose your sense of humor, you don't want to stay there very long. And offense does that. So, you know, people have recently mocked our church, ridiculed our church, threatened our church. If I were to stay offended and stop doing what I'm supposed to do, preach about what I'm supposed to preach about, you know, minister to people in the name of Jesus. It means that I'm too religious about our church. I should just trust Jesus. You know, people have personally mocked me, personally approached me right here, chewed me out, said what a terrible person I'm, you know, I have some witnesses here. There was someone on the music team actually once, a Bible school student who I helped out, I actually gave him a, a, an expensive instrument. Now, I'm going I'm to say this story. People should know what pastors go through. I gave this man a, an instrument valued at $2,000, played here for a few months. One, one Sunday, he decided he didn't like me. He chewed me out right here. And I, I didn't respond. I just walked off. Sometimes it's better not to respond. Sometimes it's better not to argue with a fool. But I know if, if, I, if I just let that soak into me, it, it, it means that I'm too religious about myself. I take myself too seriously. I just need to get over it, move on. God, bless them. They're, they're, they're in your hands now. We love you, but you're not going to be on the stage ever again. <laughs> Keep the instrument. I don't care. Whatever. It was a gift. Move on. Um, you can't get religious about yourself. Don't think too highly of yourself. Just trust Jesus, move on, amen? So we can't get stuck in offense, we can't get stuck in religion. Again, if you, if you're, when people get offended, they reveal what they are religious about. Religious, this, this isn't just necessarily a, a religion word. You, people can get religious about an idea, a person, a place, a philosophy, a, a ritual. I remember I had a, a professor who was very religious about um, recycling. I, I, I recycle. I, I try to, you know, be, I, I buy used things. I, I put stuff in the recycling bin. I, I, I believe, you know, in caring for the earth. You know, it's actually wise if you're a rancher or farmer to don't overgraze your land because you'll destroy it or overproduce on your land. You want to take care of things. But people can become overly religious about almost anything including recycling. So I had this professor, she had, uh, I, was, I was an assistant, and um, she just had like, like a stack of papers this high that were just random copies of random pieces of music. And um, she had all the originals, so it's not like a big deal, but she wanted me to, to sort through all, all of these things in alphabetical order. We can't just throw them away or even put them in the recycling. Like, God forbid that you need to spend an entire day just sifting through these things, putting them in order, putting them in alphabetical order, and it's because 
This is my religion, that I'm never to, to waste anything at all, potentially waste anything at all. Like recycling was a very bit like, and if I were to just, it'd be much easier to just, just turn those things into toilet paper and you know, move on. There, there are better ways to spend your time. Does that make sense? Yeah, I was talking to a good friend of mine. He's not even a spirit-filled believer. He, he's a Catholic, and I, I kind of told him this joke that a certain politician said at our church, and he just cracked up. He's not even that religious. He's not even that political. <laughs> but he said, you know what? You know, we were just kind of talking, and, and he, he has a lot of education as well, but he said, you know what? Uh, everyone is religious about something. He said, in America Day, in like the new you know, progressive, woke stuff. Like, their, their temple is the university. So that's, that's, that is sacred to them. That is where they go to worship. That's where they do their rituals. And if you say anything against that way of thinking, against that type of new philosophy, and people make donations, it's, it's a big money type of thing. It's a nonprofit thing, protected from the IRS, you know. People are like, we're going to come after you. We're going to report you to the IRS. Bring it on. It's funny who, who um, so I'll just let you know, like, like Monday we had, we had hundreds of emails, just nasty, vile emails, dozens upon dozens of, of filthy calls, filthy voicemails, personal attacks, threat, threat, threats to kill our staff members. And um, th there are two types of people who, who attacked this church Two the first group of people were like Antifa, anti-church. Anti we want to burn down churches. We don't, we want to destroy every church. We hate Jesus. We hate preachers. We hate Antifa-type people. And religious Christians who have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof from such turn away. One of these persons is actually, um, we, we've been, we've, we've, they've been a contract employee for our church. They've helped run our website for 14 years. He used to be charismatic, but now he's an Anglican rector. He was so deeply offended, so deeply offended that I can no longer do business with you. It's funny, it's kind of like the cake baker thing, but in reverse. Like. I can't do business. It, it violates my conscience. So I'm cutting you off. And he's actually terrible at doing, doing his job. Like, we're happy to cut him off anyways. <laughs> I do nothing and take your money, and I can no longer do this. And it's funny, because he's probably all about like, no, every cake baker should make cakes for gay weddings. That's what Jesus would have done. <laughs> people can make their own decisions. I don't really care. You know, if I was a cake baker, I'd, I'd just take people's money. I'm, you know, <laughs> I sell watches. I don't, I don't care if you're lefty, righty, what your gender is, what your whatever. Just give me your money, and, and I'll give it to the Lord. <laughs> But, but you're, you as an individual just do what you want. I respect people's freedom. Anyways, it's really interesting those two types of people that pop out of the 
woodworks because they're so deeply offended. It's really interesting who, who the out, like, where alliances are formed between the, like, ultra-religious and antichrist. <laughs> kind of reminds me of uh, when Jesus was crucified. Two groups of people were mocking Jesus, spitting on him, laughing, ridiculing him. It's probably the only time in history where these two groups of, groups of people were in alliance. The Roman soldiers and the, the religious leaders of Israel. Probably the only time in the entire occupation, the Roman occupation of Israel where like, the, the, they were in alliance together. It's really interesting how, how Jesus, who is a person of authority, and how a church who takes their place of authority, the word church, it's from the Greek word ekklesia, which means called out. It is a word that, that denotes authority. We are called out for an authoritative purpose. People, the, 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 the lefties, the woke mob, the religion, they're fine with the modern church. But if you're authoritative, that, that um, really sends a lot of people over there. And it's really, in, you, if, if you're in alliance with the spirit of Antichrist, you need to check yourself. If I'm ever like right in line with Antichrist philosophy and wokeness and I want to burn some churches down, I want to, you're probably going in the wrong direction. All right. I got sidetracked a little bit, sorry. <laughs> Arrest him! Call the IRS! To take away their status as a church! Blah. His hand, which he stretched out toward him, withered so that he could not pull it back. God protected him. God loved this, this man of God. We don't know his name, but God really loved him and, and gave him divine protection. This house has divine protection upon it. The pastors here have divine protection. The staff here have divine protection. Every single person here at this church has divine protection. So he, he, his hand withered, verse 5, the altar also was split apart, and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. Then the king answered and said to the man of God, please entreat the favor of the Lord, your God, and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. So he, he knew who the true God was. I know who the true God is. I know that Jesus is Lord, amen. And it's not just a saying, it's, it's a, there is power to that confession. There is power to the name of Jesus. So the man of God entreated to the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him and became as before. Then the king said to the man of God, come home with me and refresh yourself and I will give you a reward. But the man of God said to the king, if you were to give me half your house, I would not go in with you, nor would I eat bread nor drink water in this place. 
For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall not eat bread, nor drink water, nor return by the same way you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way he came to Bethel. So he, God had told him, don't, don't stop for lunch. Don't stop for coffee. You are to go where I tell you to go. Don't, don't take a break. Just do what I tell you to do. And, and uh, Jeroboam tried to tempt him with political favors, but that, that did not have any effect on him. But anyways, as, as he was going along, there was an old prophet who dwelt in Bethel, and he, he heard from his sons about what this man of God had done. So he wanted, he wanted to meet this man of God. He was an old prophet. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that he had um, some, some spiritual giftings. And I see later on here in this chapter that he did hear from the, from the, the word of the Lord. He, he, did have, um, he did have giftings that were given to him from God. But he was a donkey prophet. I'm going to explain what a donkey prophet is. So he, he saddles up his donkey, chases after this, this uh, man of God, stops him and said, hey, I heard what's been going on. This is awesome. I want you to come to my house and have some lunch, take a little break. And, and the the, the the man of God said, no, I can't do that. God told me, actually, I'm not supposed to stop, stop for lunch, stop for coffee. I'm just to go straight back. But he said, well, let me tell you something. I'm also a prophet. And a, an angel appeared to me and told me that you were actually supposed to come to my house. And um, this angel, we, we were both eating Fruit Loops together, and we want you to come eat some Fruit Loops. The angel told me. It's starting to sound a little fruity loopy to me here, right? So he said, well, I guess, I mean, you're the one who ate the Fruit Loops with this angel, so I better go along. And, and he, he, he goes back with him, goes to his house, sits down, eats bread, drinks water. Verse 20, now it happened as they sat at the table, the word of the Lord came back to the prophet, the donkey prophet. So he does hear from, from the word of the Lord, came back to the prophet who brought him back, and he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah, saying, thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but you came back, ate bread, and drank water in the place of, the, of which the Lord said to you, um, eat no bread and drink no water. Your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. Not a very pleasant word to receive. So after verse 23, after he had eat, eaten bread, after he drunk, saddled the donkey for him, the prophet whom he, he, he had Brought back, so it says, verse 24, when he was gone, a lion met him on the road and killed him, and his corpse was thrown on the road, and the donkey stood by it. So I, this kind of struck me here. The donkey just stayed there. The next line, the lion also stood by the corpse. So, so here's, here's the, the man of God's dead body. Here is a donkey just staying there, and here's a lion just staying there. Kind of, kind of odd. You know, I don't know donkeys that well, and I don't know lions that well, but... After this gruesome scene, probably both animals wouldn't just be sitting there. But I, I saw this as a picture, and this is just my picture of this. This man had, had two options. He knew the word of the Lord to himself, which was to, to go, go prophesy against the altar, speak against King Jer, Jer, Jeroboam, and then, and then do exactly what, just go, go right back, go... Don't stop for bread, don't stop for water. You're just to leave right now. That, that was a, a very direct word from God. That was like, like a lion-type word. The, the word of the Lord, it is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged two sword. But here's this donkey. 
donkey said, well, I was having my fruit list with the angel, and he's the usual serpent here, and he, he listened to this donkey instead. This is my point. Every New Testament born-again believer needs to hear the voice of God for themselves, period. Prophetic giftings, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, they are not to replace you hearing from the voice of the Lord yourself. God doesn't want to create an intermediary between you and him. That's why he gave us Jesus. Jesus is the intermediary for us and God. He doesn't want another man to replace that. He doesn't want someone's gifting to replace that. Now, this, this, this um, prophet, who was a donkey prophet, did have, did have giftings. I don't think he was an evil person. It said after he heard about what had happened, he felt remorseful. He, he told his sons, go get the body, put it, in my, you know, put it in my grave, and when I die someday, I want to be buried next to him. That's very sweet. But this guy's still dead. And I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to be buried in some donkey prophet's grave. I want to hear God myself... And listen to that word. And, and there's something else interesting about this story. When I've read through it, I, I, I kind of read through it with this kind of Old Testament-ish type view of seeing God as like he was punished. But God, God did not punish that man of God. So the prophet, when he heard what happened, this is in verse 26, he said, it's the man of God who is disobedient to the word of the Lord. Therefore, the Lord has delivered him to the lion. So this, this, pro, this donkey prophet said, the Lord did this. The Lord delivered him to the lion for being disobedient. Because this donkey prophet, he might have been able to, he might have had some gifting, but he didn't really have a strong personal relationship with God. He didn't know God's heart, God's nature. God wanted to save him, just like he saved him from Jeroboam. God loved that man of God. God cared about him. He wanted to protect him. He wanted him, he had a good plan for his life. That's why he gave him that word and said, hey, you, you go straight, because God was trying to protect him. God knows the end from the beginning. He knew that there was some type of disaster waiting for him at this particular time, lurking in the tall grass. God was trying to protect him because he was gracious towards him. And he stepped out of that grace by listening to, to a donkey rather than the voice of God. Does that make sense? So this, this particular prophet was a donkey prophet. Traits of a donkey prophet. Number one, insincere. Number two, lies. Number three, manipulative. Number four, doesn't have a strong relationship with the one true God. So my first point is this. You really have to hear the voice of God yourself all the time. Amen. And I actually really love um, this statement I've heard several times, that, that, that prophetic words, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, they should be confirming what the Spirit of God is telling you as a believer. Does that make sense? And I don't think this, this particular donkey prophet was an evil person. I've had some donkey-type words given to me. An angel was eating fruit lips with me and told me, you're not to marry Heather. No, God, God spoke to me, and I've talked to my closest advisors, and you're not one of them. 
a little bit of a donkey at times, so I'm not going to get mauled by a lion. I'd rather stick on the path that God has for me, which is a great path, and donkey prophets have approached Heather, you're not to move your and they, they weren't terrible people, they, they loved God, but they just had too many Fruit Loops that morning, and... So my main point is that you need to hear from God yourself. Amen. You need to hear the voice of God yourself. God really cares about you. He wants to protect you. He has a great plan for you. He wants to, amen. My next point, something I've kind of observed the last few few days, especially from that second crowd, a lot of donkey prophets popping out, just cursing our staff, cursing our pastors, cursing this church. True prophets cannot curse what God has blessed. You cannot curse the people whom God has blessed. This church is blessed. The pastors here are blessed. Amen. The people here are blessed. Why are we blessed? Because Jesus lives inside of us. I'm not going to curse any child of God. There's some people say, well, just everyone's a child of God. No, that's unscriptural. Everyone is not a child of God. God wants everyone to be part of his family, yes, but some people have rejected the offer, the way to become part of his family, which is to say yes to Jesus. If you said yes to Jesus, accepted his lordship, made him your personal lord and savior, you are a son or a daughter of God. If you have rejected that, God wants you to be, he's seeking you, so we should have have a love for people who are outside of the family, but they, they are not children of God. To be, a, to be part of the family, you have to say yes to Jesus. Does that make sense? So I, I, I'm never going to curse anyone who's a child of God. Period. Because you can, donkey prophets can try to do that. Does that make sense? There's a lot of donkey prophets that love to pop out of the woodwork. When they see, you know, some mainstream leftist media, they just jump on that woke mob with all the Antifa people and... Get off that boat. It's not headed in a good direction. Amen. That was a good word. All right. Numbers 22. You're speaking on the subject that that a, a true prophet cannot curse what God has blessed. Numbers 22, 1 through 6. We're going to talk about Balaam a little bit. Make sure you all come Sunday. Sunday will be very uplifting and encouraging. My dad, I'm a little prophetic tonight. I'm a little riled up. Numbers 22. So Israel is is, uh, moving into the promised land. Balak, the king of Moab, sees this. He's very concerned about the supernatural blessing that's on Israel. So he wants to hire Balaam, a prophet who has um, bonafide spiritual gifting to, to come and curse the people of Israel. Numbers 22. So Balaam, he's a donkey prophet. He's insincere. 
he's a bit of a liar, he's manipulative, he doesn't really have a relationship with the one true God, right? Donkey prophet all over him. Um, Numbers 22, verse 1, so the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab on the side of the Jordan across from Jericho. It's about ready to enter the promised land. Now Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Moabites, the Amorites, and Moab, so he's the king of Moab, they were exceedingly afraid of the people because they were many, and Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, now this company will lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. Then he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, at Pether, which is near the river in the land of the sons of his people, to call him, saying, Look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are settling next to me. Therefore, please come at once. Curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. As the people of God get closer and closer to, to what they are promised. The church is getting closer and closer to the greatest promise that we have as a church today, which is the return of Jesus Christ. As the world sees that, as the devil sees that, as every demon in hell sees that, they, they are going to be afraid. They're going to start squirming and squealing. Settle in. Get ready. These are just learning lessons for us. I, I'm learning things that I should do and shouldn't do and perhaps didn't handle the most. You know, I, I'm one of the admins on our Facebook account. Someone sent kind of a nasty, well, a true Christian, you know, is one of the group two. They kind of anger me a little more than the group one. I, I expect group one, you know, just full on devil mode, whatever. Zero expectations for you, but someone who confesses to be a believer, I have a look, you know, just like Jesus got extra riled up with, we know the one true God, and we're our father Abraham, and he's like, no, you're of your father the devil. <laughs> they kind of riled up Jesus too, that group too. <laughs> the Gentiles didn't bug Jesus so much. It was that second group that bothered him, and I think bothers Pastor Aaron as well, so. If you are a true Christian, blah, 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 and I just replied with an emoji. So Pastor Lawson said we're not to, you know, reply, just no comment, but, well, here, here's a clown face. Here's a unicorn. Here's the poop emoji. Here's the, just, just random emojis, and they, they're getting really frustrated, like. Tanya's not, she's more professional than I am. With each emoji, just that, they're getting more and more anger, and they just kind of revealed some other things that were inside of them. Like all the, they're turning the air blue, you know, on, like, yes. May the spirit be with you too and go in peace, you know. Um, anyways, it was kind of interesting. Some of the other people who had, who are admins on our Facebook account were seeing this and they thought, like, someone's hacked our account and they're just sending emojis. No, that's Pastor Aaron just being a child. <laughs> a child at play. <laughs> We need a child at play, children at play sign on, our, uh, on my office door. <laughs> Warning, children at play. 
will probably be removed from <laughs> the official communication channels here at Caris Christian Center. Oh, man. All right, I better keep on. Okay. So anyways, he, he, he's a donkey prophet, so he's like, sure, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I, I can use some money, why not, whatever. I'm manipulative, I'm insincere, I don't really know God, but I have, I have some spiritual gifting, so I'm, I'm happy to be hired out. So he goes along, and God just really loves people who he's blessed. He wants to protect them, so he sets an angel with a fiery sword right on the path, just ready to love this child of God. No, but, but God cares something about Balaam, so he, he you know, no, Balaam isn't probably going to hear from his voice, but hey, he's, he's a little bit of a donkey, so I'll have the donkey talk to him. And I love the King James translation. I'm quoting from the New King James, so it's the donkey, not the other term. Which is, you know, according to me, if it's in the King James, but, you know, Fisher is eight years old, my son, and uh, he wants to know what words are okay to say and what aren't okay to say. And I say, well, if it's in the Bible, if it's in the King James Bible, it's not a swear word. But maybe we shouldn't say it at school or at home or to your friends. <laughs> so I'm not going to say it tonight. I'm going to, you know. Okay. So the donkey speaks to him. The Lord opens the donkey's mouth and said, you know, why are you hitting me? I'm such a great donkey. You know, it's kind of a funny exchange. And uh, Balaam's just very upset at the donkey. And then, and then God opens his eyes. He sees the angel. Let's go to Numbers um, 22, verse 32 now. So the angel of the Lord speaks to Balaam says, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I've come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. Your way is perverse. So God is saying to Balaam, your way is perverse before me. And um, God just spoke to me when I was reading this and just said, you know, the, the people who are blessed by God, we are protected, supernaturally protected from the perversity that is in the world today. And there, there is a perversity abounds in the world today. And um, that second group of people that I mentioned don't seem to care much about the incredible amounts of perversity in the direction that a great majority of people are heading in, the perverse way. But um, we are protected from perversity. So Balaam, um, the angels, you know, God speaks to him and says, well, you can go, but you have to sit. This is the one condition for you to go. You have to say exactly what I tell you to say. So four times he tries to get up and curse Israel. Balak, you know, does everything he can to, to get Balaam to pronounce a curse. But, but Balaam has to say exactly what God tells him to say. And I love what he says in Numbers 23, verse 19, especially right here. God tells him to pronounce this. He says that God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. He is blessed, and I cannot reverse it. I, I love that. You cannot curse what God has blessed. Period. You cannot curse what God has blessed. 
And I, I believe that, that there is a blessing on this house. There's a blessing on our pastors. There is a blessing on everyone who calls this church home. If you come here in person or online, there is a blessing upon your life. Settle in. It's going to get awesome. It's going to be fun. Our, our church is going to explode. I believe that we're going to grow by seven, by seven, by seven. So get ready. It's going to be fun. Get your popcorn. Get your, you know, get your sense of humor. It's, <laughs> I, I don't know what to expect, but it's, it's going to be good. And God's going to take care of you. Every curse that the enemy tries to throw your way, it will be quenched. Because this is a house of faith. These are people of faith. Amen. Above all, take the shield of faith, which will enable you to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Amen. Settle in. That was a word that God gave Heather. Settle in. She's been more mature than Pastor Aaron. She's like, Aaron, why are you being so childish sending these emojis? Just, yeah, you're not eight, Aaron. You're 35, but it's, it's all right. It's just to have a childlike faith, you know, and a childlike response to people sometimes. He's okay. Revelation 2. It's going to get good. Revelation 2. This is, this is a, what God told me about how, how to just stay on track. Um, how to stay on track and, and just avoid donkey, donkey stuff that's out there. Which there's plenty of it. Revelation 2, verse 12. Jesus speaking to the church at Pergamos. So Pergamos, um, just a little background to Pergamos. A real place um, is actually the, the capital of the Roman government in that province, the eastern province of Asia Minor. So that, that is where Rome set up their capital. Um, the governor there of this pro province, he ruled there. He had what was called the right of the sword. So he held up a sword and determined who would live and who would be canceled. We want to cancel you. Yeah. We have the power. We want to cancel you. Report you to the IRS and cancel you. <laughs> Our word is greater. So if people did not participate in the emperor's religion, he would drop the sword and they would be executed. Um, Pergamos was very likely one of the most spiritually dark cities to have ever existed. Um, is the pagan worship capital of the world. The altar of Zeus was there, covered in gold. It was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Um, when Heather and I went to um, Italy on our honeymoon, we got to visit um, Vesuvius, or uh, Pompeii, where Mount Vesuvius erupted. Pompeii, this ancient city that was preserved under heaps of ash, and there was an altar to Zeus there. Um, very, very dark, very pagan, very... You know, they had drag queens uh, read to children. They had, no, I'm just joking. About that's, oh, wait, that's, that's this spiritually dark place that we live in today. Um, Pompeii, they, they have a male genitalia carved out in the street pointing the way to the brothels. 
just right there when you're, where you're walking on the street. Um, anyways, um, here Christians were tempted to compromise. How to avoid donkey stuff, don't compromise the word of God. That's my last point. Do not compromise the word of God. That will keep you away from, from donkey stuff. So let's read what, what Jesus speaks here in, in plain red to the church at Pergamos and to the angel of the church in Pergamos right. These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. So he's saying my word. You guys are worried about that right of the sword by that governor there who sits on his throne in Pergamos, but I have the sharp two edges. My, my word, my word is sharper than any two-edged sword. These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you, I know where you dwell. I know where Satan's throne is. I thought Jesus didn't say political things. Here he's saying that this governor is Satan. What? Oh. Hmm. Hmm. Jesus doesn't say political things. This governor is Satan. Hmm. Interesting. You hold fast to my name and did, did not deny my faith even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was, who was killed among you where Satan, again, Satan dwells. He's like stressing this point. The ruler here is full of the devil. But I have a few things against you because you have, you have there those who hold, so, so a little bit Antipas, I kind of studied out Antipas um, a little bit about Antipas. I find it here. He was appointed by John to be the bishop of the church in Pergamos. He was arrested for casting out demons. Arrested for casting out demons. The governor there, also known as Satan, um, ordered him to stop casting out demons, stop being mean to my friends. This church is mean to some of Satan's friends. We've been known to cast out demons here. We, we, we are a true ecclesia, someone who is called out an authoritative church, who isn't afraid to use the name of Jesus to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, to speak in other tongues, to cast out demons. This is the church of Jesus Christ. This is the church that is glorified by him. This is the church that he is lifting up and filling with his glory, filling with his power. Settle in. Rested for casting out demons, he was ordered to stop casting out demons and recant his faith in Jesus. Go back to his former life of pagan worship. He used to be a Gentile pagan heathen. Go back to that, but he didn't. And he was butchered inside a bronze bull. 
Disgusting. Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. Verse 14, but I have a few things against you because you have those, they're those who hold the doctrine of Balaam. It was a doctrine of compromise. Who taught Balak, so, so Balaam knew that they could not, you can, hey, Balak, we cannot curse Israel. They're blessed by, by the one true God. There's no way you can stop them. I cannot pronounce a curse upon them. But here's what you can do to get them to step outside of that blessing that God's, God had. Get them to compromise. Get the church to compromise. Get the church to water things down. Get the church to step out of their ecclesia, their called out authoritative position. And be like us. Be like the world. Just, just you know, eat things, sacrifice to idols, and commit sexual immorality. So Balaam taught Balak how to get Israel to compromise with Moab, with the people of Moab. And that's how they were able to be defeated by Moab. Verse 15, thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. So the Nicolaitans were a group of people who preached compromise. Comprom Nicolaitan, it's, it's the combination of two Greek words, Nike, Nike, which means to conquer, victory, conquer, and laos, which is lady, which means the, the, the people, the, the lay people, the people of the church. So the Nicolaitans were to conquer the church by getting them to compromise. They had the doctrine that said, hey, sure, worship God, but still go do the pagan stuff. Mix, mix the world with the church. Go, go, you know, don't lose your jobs over this. Don't get canceled over this. Don't upset your neighbors over this. Don't just part of the time, worship, worship the world, worship the, and part of the time, worship, worship Jesus, sure. But the thing is, the one true God is a jealous God. And you shall have no other gods before him. So they're slipping into compromise. He said, I hate this thing. I hate that doctrine of compromise. Verse 16, repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to you. What is that hidden manna? I believe he's talking about himself. He's talking about his body. He's talking about communion with him. My flesh, my blood, you'll never thirst again. You'll never hunger again. You're going to have, if you don't compromise, you're going to experience full communion with me. As I am, so will you be in this world. I'm going to give you that hidden manna that the world can't find, that the Nicolaitans can't find, that these pagan worshipers cannot find. But you're going to find that hidden manna, that hidden power, that hidden... Amen. And I will give him a white stone. A white stone, uh, back then, um, when, when jurors voted, they would cast a white stone if they believed the person were to be innocent. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you a white stone. I'm declaring that you are innocent. I, and Jesus, if he gives you a white stone, that white stone from Jesus trumps any other, any other guilt someone tries to place upon you. His one... His one verdict outweighs them all. If he, if he declares you innocent, if he declares you righteous, if he declares you blameless, 
That's it. And he said, I'm going to write a new name written which no one except him who receives it. He's writing his personal name on that stone saying, you are mine. You are innocent. Amen. So always prioritize the word of God. Don't compromise the word of God. Don't compromise the power of his word. It's the, it's the authority of, of his name, the authority of his word, the, the authority that comes with, with being full of the Holy Ghost that really bothers people, that really bothers the devil, that really bothers. So keep hearing from God, amen? Keep hearing from My conclusion is this, Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Keep trusting Jesus. He wants to speak to you. He wants to lead you where you should go, and he will speak to you. Say this with me. I have eyes to see. I have ears to hear. I have a heart to understand what Jesus is speaking to me, even right now. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you for listening to the Caris Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.charischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.